swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. Welcome back into Mariners Extra Innings. I'm Curtis Rogers, and I am joined alongside now by one of my favorite followers on Twitter. He's one half of the Cespedes Family Barbecue Twitter account. Those guys have been all across baseball over the last few years. You know them from their podcast, Baseball Barbiecast, which you can download three times a week, wherever it is you get your podcasts. You can read Jordan Schusterman at FoxSports.com, and he's joining me right now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Jordan, good evening to you. Thanks for joining me. How's it going? Oh, I'm doing great. Um, season just getting started. I know we're in full, you know, overreaction mode. It's great. I love <laughs> logging on and seeing people, you know, panicking to a degree that I didn't know possible on April whatever. Yeah, April 6th, and either you're feeling amazing about the team that you follow or you're feeling like the world is crashing in on you. Uh, here in Seattle, I mean, off to the 2-5 and five start, not the start you want to get off to, especially on a seven-game homestand to start your season, and then you go and play the Cleveland Guardians in your first road series on the road. But, but Jordan, when you watched these Mariners games, I don't know how many you got to watch, but uh, of the ones that you did watch, what, what jumped out to you over the first week of the season? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the concerns, even if if maybe some of them are a little more dramatic than they need to be at this stage of the season, I think, uh, you know, you can understand the looking at the the depth in terms of the bench and kind of the offense that they have assembled behind, you know, this this core group of, you know, Julio and France and Teoscar and, and, and Suarez and, you know, Raleigh, too. And, you know, so far, yeah, it has been lackluster, right? That that bottom half of the lineup has not been doing anything. Um, that's been a little bit disappointing. But for me, it's it's that the pitching and, and you know, some of the strike throwing has been really disappointing, I would say. But in general, it's not it's not like they played two terrible teams, right? Cleveland's really good. And the Angels have still like listen, I know they they do not necessarily deserve the benefit of the doubt, uh, in terms of, you know, whatever. They've had seven straight losing seasons. Like they they do have to earn the trust of observers and analysts, you know, like me at the same time, like they have a lot of really good players and it's not, you know, insane that you lose a series to them. So uh, I, I wouldn't, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, stay calm. I also just like don't have the energy to be losing my mind over every single game of 162. So <laughs> I'm not trying to tell people how to be a fan. Like I, I totally get it. Like we, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to be happy that baseball's back and, and just kind of take my time with the season. Like, uh, do you not remember what last year was like? Like, come on. Like we know, we know that you can, you can have some bad stretches and, and still be a good team. Yeah. 29 and 39 at one point last season, they turned it around in the season's second half and, and ended that 20 year drought. Uh, Jordan, at what point in the year do you find yourself believing? kind of what you're seeing performance-wise with some of these teams and players? Because we talked about the Mariners off to a 2-5 start. On the other side of things, like the Rays haven't lost yet. Like they're not going to go 162-0, which I don't think, you know, the start they're off to is incredibly real. I think they're going to be a good team, but obviously you're not going to be able to win every single game. At what point in the season do you kind of say, all right, I I know what I'm seeing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think every year we, we try and, 
figure out when when are we not overreacting anymore? When because what did you what did you just reference? Twenty nine and thirty nine is a pretty far way into the season. You know, and, and that, that, that's that's a long way in to think like, uh oh, like, you know, we might be screwed. But that's a good reminder of of how long the season really is. Right. I mean, let alone two and five. I mean, if you could be 60 games in and still feel like, oh, we don't even know what we have here like that. That's kind of how the baseball season is. And, and that's what's great about it. I mean, I think that is that is the the beauty of it. And so to answer your question, like I do. I mean, April, like let's let's get through a month because I think the the team as a whole you got a long way till like i'm not even too unless you're 20 games back the standings are not that important to me until you know late june july right honestly because it, as we just saw like the, not just with the mariners i mean look at the al central last year right minnesota cruising for months they were still in first place at the beginning of 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 august right and then they ended they finished the season 10 games out or whatever so you know, team overall wise, I'm taking a long time, but I think April can tell us a lot about some individual pieces of the team. Not that players can't, you know, regress as over the course of the season or bounce back if they're struggling or, you know, heat up if they've had a cold start. I think about a guy like Marcus Semyon last year, who was literally like the worst hitter in baseball for the first six weeks, <laughs> but he's Marcus Semyon. Like, come on. And then by the end of the year, you look up and his numbers look average, but that's because he was amazing in the last few months and not, you know, and not in the first six weeks. So to me, like the first month, I'm feeling it out. I'm just trying to understand who's on what team and and, you know, who are the kind of the roles and who's playing in these positions. The exact stats I'm not concerned about. It's more about what they look like, how healthy are they, most importantly, this time of year. And then you kind of go from there. We're joined by Jordan Schusterman, FoxSports.com, SiriusXM. He's everywhere covering baseball, and he also happens to be a Mariners fan. And, Jordan, I know that you have probably get asked about this all the time, wherever it is, especially when you're doing media work with people out here in Seattle. Like, how did you become a Mariners fan? Because I believe you're based in, on the East Coast. Like, you were born and raised kind of in the, like, the Baltimore, D.C. area. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's correct. How did that That's how did that right come now. to be? <laughs> yeah, how did that how did that come to be? Right. So, um yeah, I mean basically I didn't growing up like I didn't have a team that uh I mean the Nats showed up when I was 10, right? So I grew up in the in the, in the DC Maryland suburbs. And the Nats showed up when I was 10, they were terrible and really not fun. And so I had no interest in really tagging onto them. I didn't have a team really when I was younger than that. Uh, that no like family that like just oh you know there's a lot of people just like well my dad's a Yankees fans like so that's that but I didn't have that in my family so which kind of gave me the opportunity to kind of figure it out on my own and even as the Nats were getting good like I was obsessed with Bryce Harper was like a huge part of like my kind of baseball fandom becoming what it is today as he was you know even before he was drafted by the Nationals whatever. But also at that same time, as I'm, you know, getting into high school and really starting to watch baseball all the time, Felix Hernandez just totally captured my attention to a to a pretty special degree to the point where I was just wanting to watch the Mariners, right? Like every time he was starting, you know, I finally got MLB TV for the first time, and I loved staying up late for the for the, the I love staying up for the late games like that. I know people now. I always I always make this joke that like when the Mets fans go on the East the West Coast trip, and they're all tweeting complaints like, "Oh my God, how am I supposed to stay up for this?" You know, ten o'clock start. I'm like, "Are you kidding? Like this is the best. Like this is my life. This is what I I've opted into." Um, but so it was really just Felix. And then from there, it kind of spiraled into just reading a lot of Lookout Landing and Jeff Sullivan and 
just being a big part of just kind of falling into this team. And they weren't good, right? Mariners were not good at that point. But I just kind of enjoyed the the energy of of the team for whatever reason, as bad as they were. And, and Felix was really the driving factor of that. Um, they, you know, he throws a perfect game, and that kind of that kind of sealed the deal for me. So um, that was uh, that was great. And that that's and then I just kind of carried that over. And then you know, and then they signed Cano, <laughs> and then that really that really kind of kickstarts this that next chapter of of when I was really you know started watching every day. You know, once I got to college and. That was, you know, 10 years ago, so which is crazy. But yeah, all the way until, you know, last year, I was lucky enough to be in, in the ballpark for for the Cal Raleigh home run. So yeah, um, it's been a good time. I, yeah, heck of a journey. Uh, your Mariners fandom there. Uh, definitely unique. I, I can't, I don't know any other uh, Mariners fans that don't have connections out here that, you know, grew up on the East Coast, yeah. but uh, happy to have you amongst the uh, amongst the fandom. Jordan Schusterman of Cespedes Family Barbecue joining us for a couple moments longer. And Jordan, let's, Look at the the in my mind this is going to be the biggest storyline in baseball throughout the course of the season and that's Shohei Otani's upcoming free agency. Do you think we'll ever see or have ever seen a free agency in American pro sports that will reach the level of craziness we're about to witness this upcoming winter? I mean, no. It's also <laughs> by the way amazing that you I've done however many radio hits and podcasts over the last 3 weeks and you're somehow the first person to mention Otani's free agency. Really? Like, I assumed that that would be such a big thing. You're right. You're totally right. Like you're you're I that's I that's on everybody else, right? Like this should be the thing that is consuming our thoughts and I know obviously Mariners fans just you know got to watch another few games of Otani and remember how ridiculous he is. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm no historical uh, authority on, you know, some of the other free agencies in, in sports history, because to me, like when I think of giant free agencies, of course, the recency bias tells me judge, but I don't think that was really that it ended up having more drama than I think it really even needed to. Um, but to me, it's <laughs> sure just like, like John LeBron, Heyman. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right, right, right. But to me, it's LeBron, right? Like LeBron's mm-hmm. the only one. That, but that's also like, here's the thing. The LeBron thing is bigger than any sort of baseball it's, it's different right because it, no matter how as we know as amazing as Joe Otano is doesn't matter right he wherever he goes he is not going to change the fortunes of a team he is going to change he will okay that's 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 let, let me let me rephrase that he's not going to guarantee a trip to the finals the way LeBron James <laughs> basically was uh in you know in, in, in his prime so in that way that's just baseball right but at the same time as far as intrigue and as far as unique talent and as far as you know, hitting your 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 market at your peak, which you know you could argue that would have been whatever last year, or the year before. We'll see how the season goes. I have no doubt that he will be amazing as long as he's healthy. Uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be amazing. And the other thing to remember is <laughs> comparing it to last time, because last time his free agency was also tremendously unique. Because yes, there were still skeptics, but the thing with that at the first time was that it didn't cost anything. It cost. $3 million at the most, right? And so it basically turned out to just be he was kind of picking wherever he wanted. It had nothing to do with the money. Whereas this time, on one hand, you could say that is still going to be true, that he could play anywhere. On the other hand, you know that he is going to be commanding a higher deal than almost anybody we've ever seen. And so you would think that that would limit the market, right? But I also feel like he's going to do whatever the hell he wants. And if that ends means that he wants to keep playing in L.A. and wants to be on the Dodgers, if he wants to be in the Yankees, like teams are going to probably find a way to make it work wherever he wants to go. And uh, we will see what that looks like. 
Yeah, we definitely will. Uh, people here in Seattle are going to be uh, very transfixed on what happens. And no matter if he stays in L.A., goes somewhere else, or even comes here, you know, there's endless possibilities as to what could happen. He's Jordan Schusterman of Cespedes Family Barbecue. You can follow him on Twitter at J underscore Schusterman underscore. You can follow uh, his work with Jake Mintz at Cespedes Barbecue. Jordan, what do you have coming up on the podcast this week? What 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 kind of content are you guys turning out? I'm glad you asked. This is good timing. So as you mentioned, three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is our regular cadence. But on Saturday, April 8th, in Baltimore, we will be doing our first live barbacast uh, ahead of the Yankees and Orioles game um, at Section 771, uh, formerly Sliders. So I know, I know I'm talking to Seattle people, so I'm not necessarily <laughs> expecting you guys to be over in Baltimore, but if, uh, I did want to pump it because we are excited to, you know, do a live show and, and, you know, see how that goes and what, what kind of that experience is going to be like. So, um, yeah, just having the podcast back because we had, you know, a bit of a hiatus. We were not podcasting last regular season. So to just be back and, and kind of going on a consistent basis is, is so much fun because that's really how Jake and I got started uh, with what we're doing. But yeah, so pod three times a week, baseball barbecast, um, do college baseball bod- uh, podcast too uh, with D1 Baseball. That comes out every Monday uh, with our friend Stephen Shock. And then, yeah, Fox Sports, that's where I'm writing uh, multiple times a week. You can you can check out all that work. Uh, yeah, over at FoxSports.com. There it is. Jordan, really appreciate you stopping by, making some time for us on this Thursday, and uh, hope to touch base again later on this season. Let's do it. Hopefully the Mariners are above 500. Really appreciate Jordan stopping by. Up next, it's become appointment listening here on Seattle Sports Station. Jerry DePoto's weekly conversation with Brock and Salk. We'll play a portion of that for you. Coming up next on Extra Innings, I'm Curtis Rogers. You're listening to Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. Make sure you are downloading the Extra Innings podcast at seattlesports.com. Click on the podcast page. Every hour of every show is available with a click of a mouse right at your fingertips. Make sure you're downloading the Seattle Sports app. You can also download Extra Innings right there. Earlier today, Jerry DePoto, as he does every Thursday at 8.30, joined Brock and Salk for his weekly conversation. And After the Mariners' 2-5 and five start, I can imagine the Jerry not super cheery and well, you can hear it in this interview. He's a man that is very focused on getting things right with this ball club as they begin this road trip in Cleveland. Let's take a listen to what he had to say to Brock and Salk earlier today, especially uh, his early takeaways from the Mariners' opening homestand. I guess what has stood out is the fact that we have you know, really struggled in almost every facet of the game for a week. and. Now it's. It, I know that the general attention has been paid to our offense, but it's really been all elements of the game. We've we've struggled to make to make the defensive plays. We've struggled on the bases. We've really struggled in managing the strike zone, both on the mound and from the batter's box. And that's the thing that we pride ourselves on and can control. So. You know, we will turn ourselves around when we get back to doing the thing that we do, which is is managing the strike zone. We're, we are giving up too many free bases. We aren't getting enough of our own. And and that has to, to flip for us to turn the script to the start of our season. What does that look like, Jerry, behind the scenes? You know, these are professionals. These are uh, grown men. Uh, they certainly, many of them, there's been a lot of continuity, have been around and, and, and know what controlling the zone is all about. How do you go, how do you go about reinforcing that, Scott, staff, behind the scenes? 
Honestly, it's something we frequently do. We're just right now we're struggling in that area. And, and it's not, sometimes that can be the result of, you know, we'll say opposing pitchers filling up the strike zone. And, and as a result, you're just not getting deep into counts or taking your walks. Sometimes it can be that the, the, you're, the opposing lineup is attacking our pitcher quickly. That's not really what's happening. You know, we're swinging outside the strike zone. We are, we are making a lot of non-competitive misses on the pitcher's mound. And, and our, our language, you know, from our coaches to our players, they know. And, and as you mentioned, these are guys who've done it before. They've done it very well at this level. They just had a bad week. And, you know, what we can do is show some patience and keep on beating the drum of the process that we know led us to the place that, that, that we've been and, and we want to get back to. It's interesting, uh, kind of, you mentioned the pitching and, and that's sort of what I focused on also, or you've kind of mentioned everything, but the pitching to me has maybe been the most surprising. What do you think it is? I, I noticed that the bullpen has not been striking out as many players, but what, what do you point to with the pitching right now? Well, I mean, the simple fact of the matter is it's hard to strike them out when you're walking them. And, you know, we're, we're just walking way too many hitters. Uh, I, I think right now on uh, one, again, one measure is just looking at strikeout and walk ratios. And, and right now we are among the bottom five in the league, both as pitchers and as hitters in that area. And that can't continue. And, and our players know that it's a, we, we still see the same physical stuff that we've ever seen. We still see the, the, uh, the ability that we know exists with our team. We're just not seeing the execution and, you know, it's not because we're not prepared. It's not because we're pressing or, or trying too hard or all the different cliches we could throw out there. We just played poorly. And, and now we have to go out and play better. And along those, <clears throat> excuse me, along those lines, and, and I know this is something that's not measurable, so it's kind of a nuanced deal, but just expectations are a little bit different. You know, it's not trying too hard or, or not focused, but do you think that there's a level that, yeah, you know, that we're, we're now going to live in a world where expectations are different from even a season ago where you ended a drought and, and those players in some capacity feel that weight? I don't think that's the case at all. And, you know, it's, it, again, it's so early in our season. And, you know, once you've been through baseball seasons, many baseball seasons like these guys have and, and like many of us have experienced in our, in our, in our lives, it, the the baseball season is right now fledgling. You know, we've I think we've played less than five percent of our season. So, it's a, I don't think they're looking at broader picture. I don't think they're listening to you know to expectations we expected of ourselves. You know, we we would be disappointed if people didn't expect us to be you know a, a contending club and to go out and win night after night. Uh, so I, I really don't think that is what has you know. Has, has caused us to play poorly for a week. We just simply didn't execute. And, you know, sometimes that's the answer is you just didn't execute. We're, we're physically capable. The, the team is prepared. They know who their opponents are. You know, and, and we've, we've played at this level for, for a long time. We're not dealing with unknowns here. And we, we've just played inconsistent, sloppy baseball, which is not what we typically do. Let's uh, focus on a couple of the individuals and, and what we've seen so far. What what have you made of Jared Kelnick's start to the season? Uh, you know, again, coming out of spring training, it's it, it's hard to get judgy to 15 at bats. <laughs> you know, I mean, if, if all mm-hmm. goes well for Jared, he's going to take 
you know, 500, 550 plate appearances and, and, you know, to, to get, you know, too far in the weeds over 15 at bats. I like the fact that he's used the, the left side of the field. I like the fact that he's seeing pitches. Uh, you know, it's, I'd love to see him get some traction and, and see the results show up. But by and large, you know, he's a, it's, it's again, it's 15 at bats. It's got a couple of hits. This is the, the season is so young that after, you know, driving people crazy with their, their struggles, one day got to Oscar Hernandez and AJ Pollock back to above league average offensive performers. <laughs> so it's a, it's, that's where we are in the baseball season. And that could be Jared Kelnick in two days. Uh, you know, again, such a, such a small sample to work with, but I'm happy with where he is physically. Uh, how about Luis Castillo? Couldn't be better. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, it's a, it's, but very few players that, that we have that really got out of the gates and, and blew it up. And, and the rock is certainly at the top of the list. He's, he's had two magnificent starts has, you know, has really kept us floating because at, at two and five, the, the two wins we have are in Luis starts. And it's, it's, uh, it's remarkable how good he's been. And, and the funny thing is, you know, during the spring, everybody was wringing their hands about where Luis was and, and celebrating you know the rest of the group. So, Happy with Luis, really happy with the first start out of the shoot for Logan Gilbert. You know, there, there have been highlights, especially, you know, among core type players. But by and large, you know, it's, again, it's so early in the season. You don't want to get too far ahead of yourself in, in assessing such a small sample. Well, obviously, the, the the toughest thing that did happen in that week was the Robbie Ray injury and him going to the injured list. I don't know if there's an answer to this question or not, but how do you keep a flexor as a flexor and not let it turn into an elbow? Let it quiet down, which is what we're doing right now. And, you know, we were very encouraged that we weren't dealing with anything more significant right now than a, than a flexor. And and I can't tell you that it wouldn't turn into an elbow, but I'm not a doctor. And, and I don't think anyone else that, that, that is not named Robbie Ray can tell us what it feels like. And, uh, you know, he didn't feel great. And, and he told me afterward that he, he felt warming up in the bullpen for game two of the season. He, as good as he's ever felt. said it might have been his best warm up ever. <laughs> so it's a funny game. And, you know, that's a big loss for us. He was throwing the ball incredibly well in the spring. But, you know, the good thing is that we don't see it right now as a, a season long issue. We feel like this can resolve itself in weeks rather than months. And, and that's encouraging for the broader picture. Had he dealt with this before in, in any capacity over his career? No, never. He's been remarkably healthy. Uh, you know, Robbie has had, you know, one of the, the boxes that he has checked in his career is durability and has never missed any significant time, has never really dealt with, with injury, uh, you know, throwing arm injury. And, and this is a, this is a first for him. So, you know, we're treading into a little bit of the unknown, but we have a wonderful medical team, Kyle Torgerson and Rob Scheidegger and, and our team docs are, are attentive. And I know Robbie will do the work. So it's a, it's about knowing that an issue exists, you know, putting together a program that allows him to strengthen the area and, and not sending him out to pitch until we're all you know comfortable with the fact that we've, we've gotten past the, the issue. Coming up next, we take a look at some of the biggest headlines in baseball, including pitch clocks not going anywhere anytime soon. That's coming your way here on Extra Innings. I'm Curtis Rogers. You're listening to Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings. 
Inside the Mariners. On the home of the Mariners. Seattle Sports. Welcome back into Extra Innings. We've got just a half hour to go here on this Thursday evening. We'll be with you till 9 p.m. Joining me now from Cleveland, Ohio, it's Mariners Radio Network's Gary Hill, who joins me on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Gary, really appreciate you stopping by. Uh, How's it going in Cleveland tonight? Oh, it's great. And thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It was tough to carve out uh, these 10 minutes in Cleveland, but I did it. I did it for you. Uh, I I enjoy Cleveland. There's a... there's good running in Cleveland. They have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's a nice beach near here. Uh, that's better when it's warmer than uh, low 40 or high 40s, but uh, more of a summertime thing. But you know, there's things to do. There's things happening. <laughs> is, is it better or worse than the last time you guys were in Cleveland? Because that was that marathon rain oh. delay game. This is a million times better. Last time was awful. We <laughs> sat there forever. The thing I remember, I remember, I think we did, I don't think I'm exaggerating, I think we did, because whenever there's a rain delay, we come on and update during the broadcast, so we update people on what's going on. And I think we did 45 updates wow. during the course of that night. Just, uh, uh, just yeah, it's, it's still raining. We'll be right back. That was basically <laughs> what it came down to. I believe so, you guys got so desperate for, for content that Matt Nelson was brought on at, at various Yeah, we intervals. actually started bringing everyone on, yeah, just talking to anyone who walked by. It became <laughs> it became a real thing. It is, we do like when MLB sends us to Cleveland for the first road trip of the season. Uh, I think it's really great because it my thinking was, okay, we're going to Cleveland in the first road trip, there's a good chance we'll be heading back at least one more time. But actually, the weather looks okay. And Chicago looks really good. So I think, fingers crossed, I think we're going to be okay. Well, I'm I'm hoping so. We're, we're keeping our fingers crossed back here in Seattle. And, and Gary, the Mariners got off to kind of on the wrong foot there, 2-5 and five on the opening homestand, losing 3-4 or four to these very same Guardians that they're going to face tomorrow uh, in Cleveland's home opener for this season. Uh, what, what did you make of the opening homestand for the Mariners? Because at, at times they looked really good, specifically guys like Luis Castillo and Julio and Ty France. And other times, I mean, just the bats just didn't show up. So w- what was your biggest takeaway from the first seven games? Yeah, you know, I think for the most part they just didn't, play that well uh they didn't play how we're accustomed to seeing them play and we were talking to jerry depoto about this a couple days ago especially with the first series against cleveland because we were talking about some of the swing decisions were uncharacteristic of what we've seen they had some mistakes in the field in the first series that we're not used to seeing just overall just didn't play the kind of brand of baseball that we're used to seeing as you mentioned we saw it in flashes certainly uh, the opener was great. Uh, the second start for Castillo was great, where it all came together that night with uh, two home runs from Pollock and Teoscar. But outside of that, it's been very inconsistent so far, which can happen. I, I think the hardest part about this time of year is when a season gets going, just realizing that, hey, you know, in any five, six, seven, ten game stretch, it's such a small part of the baseball season. And during the course of the season, we don't analyze 
and draw conclusions about that sort of stretch. It's just when it starts the season, it's the only thing we're looking at, right? So I think it is a very difficult time of year because it's the only thing we've seen. So it's the only thing we can talk about, but it's, I think it's important to not draw any conclusions from it. I'm excited to see what this road trip has to offer and the rematch against Cleveland. I expect the Mariners to get in a little more of a groove, but I guess we'll see how it shakes out. Cleveland's a really good team. I think the Angels are a better team, too, than last year. So not an easy start to the season. You look at a team like Tampa Bay, and they're kind of rolled out against uh, Oakland and Washington and Detroit. You know, it's it's weird this time of year. It's just when you're only two, three series in, schedule can be a big part of it. And the Mariners haven't had an easy one, but we'll see if they can play a little more consistent baseball in this trip. Yeah, definitely not having going up against the defending AL Central champions and then a team like the Angels that have made a, a very concerted effort to try and improve that ball club in what could end up being Shohei Otani's final year down in Anaheim. Uh, Gary Hill of the Mariners Radio Network joining us here on Extra Innings. And uh, Gary, one thing that I think we can draw some conclusions from over the first week of games is Luis Castillo and just how good he has been. I don't know about you, but like when he is on the mound, I don't know if it's like I get the same feeling when I was watching Peak Felix, but it's it's close. Like he is uh, about as automatic as it gets when he is firing on all cylinders. I agree. Uh, I totally agree with that, and that's a great way to put it. I think uh, he is an ace in my mind. Uh, and I know people have different definitions of what an ace is. Uh, I think he is an ace. I think he is fantastic. Everything you could possibly want. You think about what he has been as a Mariner, and it has been ridiculous. And he's, you know, through two games so far, not a lot of run, and just kind of breezed through two pretty good teams. Uh, it's been pretty amazing to watch. His stuff is just absurd. His movement on both his fastballs, his command with both his fastballs, the change up the slider, he's got four elite pitches, and even when one isn't necessarily working that great on a uh, particular night, the other weapons are plenty. He's got a great feel for pitching. I love watching him, too. He's got that extra it factor, you know, the joy he pitches with, the, the good time he has on the mound, the smiles. Uh, that play he made the other night behind the back was spectacular. <laughs> I just love Everything about him. I love what he celebrates, the, the fist pump, just the whole package. The production, the entertainment, the whole thing is marvelous. I love watching him take, a, uh, take them out. And in that way, too, uh, you mentioned Felix, because that's the way Felix was for me, too. It's not only did he dominate, but the way he did it, the way you never want to take your eyes off Felix. And I just feel exactly the same way about Castillo. Yeah, Luis Castillo, he couldn't ask for a better start from him. 11 and two-thirds innings pitch, just three hits allowed, no runs yet on the season. Uh, that is exactly what you want from your ace uh, of the staff. Uh, Gary, the big news, or, or I guess one of the bigger stories of the opening homestand is Robbie Ray and his injury. He was placed on the 15-day IL uh, about, what, six days ago now. How fortunate are they to have a guy like Chris Flexen who is – definitely been around the block in his major league career uh not somebody new to starting in a game how fortunate are they to have a guy like him to slot in Robbie Ray's spot you know they are fortunate to have flex and and not many teams have that where they can just have a guy on hand who's been there I mean this is a guy who the last two years has started a ton for the Mariners I mean 50 
plus starts in his time in a Mariners uniform. And, you know, that start against the Angels is kind of what we've seen from Chris Flexen. It's something that's not necessarily spectacular, but always solid, and you kind of know what you get. He'll keep you in ball games and give you a chance to win. And that's really I what, uh, what I think they're going to ask for Chris Flexen here in the rotation. The Robbie Ray situation is a super bummer for me. He looked great in spring training. The velo, the uptick, the splitter, I think, was a nice third pitch to use. I was really excited about Robbie Ray coming into the season and what he would look like. So that's a tough loss for the Mariners. I know they were expecting big things from Robbie Ray as well. And you back him with, as we've already talked about, Castillo and Kirby and Gilbert and having them for a full season, it was a really exciting proposition. But on the other side, like you knew this was going to happen. It did not happen to the Mariners last year. You knew they would not get through the season without having a guy go to the IL this year. It's unfortunate that it happened so early, but it is fortunate to have a guy like Chris Flexen. Hopefully they won't need to go to their other starting pitching depth in the near future, but I think Flexen is going to give them exactly what we've seen. Solid. That's how I would, if I had to attach one word to Chris Flexen, solid would be it. Gary Hill of the Mariners Radio Network, kind enough to join us here on Extra Innings. Gary, I'm going to let you go. Uh, you're in Cleveland, so I assume like Alvaro Espinosa is walking around or Chad OJ or, or somebody like that. So uh, make sure you say hi to them on your way to the ballpark tomorrow. Yeah, actually getting together, uh, together with Carlos Baerga tonight. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, good times in Cleveland tonight. So, yes. Thank you for letting me go early and do that. Let's finish this thing out as we always do on Extra Innings with a round of pepper, looking at some of the biggest headlines across Major League Baseball on this Thursday night. One more to go. I'm Curtis Rogers. You're listening to Extra Innings on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. Welcome back into Extra Innings. Curtis Rogers with you for one final segment here on this Thursday evening. Really appreciate you joining me. It's Pepper. This is how we round out every edition of Extra Innings, looking at some of the biggest headlines in baseball, also some of the wackiest, some of the funniest. Tony Kemp of the Oakland A's. I mean, as we all know, the post-game bath, the post-game cooler dump over somebody's head. Uh, Oakland A's second baseman Tony Kemp taking it, and uh, let's just say he was not a fan of the cold. Well, TK, it was a little bit of a seesaw battle last night. Punch and counter punch. Unfortunately, not the team standing at the end of that. A bit chilly? Warm, warm. (laughs) It echoed especially so because the Coliseum had about 300 fans in attendance in Oakland that night. But uh, Tony Kemp, get that man uh, a coat, get that man something warm because uh, he was not expecting that cold water bath after the game. How about this story? Major League Baseball appears to be selling ad space on their pitch clock soon. Now, for those who are anti-pitch clock, which, look, I see the text line every day here at Seattle Sports. I see I see tweets every day of people saying they're against the pitch clock. Let me tell you something. 
As soon as we see a single sponsor go on the pitch clock, that thing's never going away, ever. Because it's a revenue stream. It's a way for Major League Baseball to make money. You think Rolex uh, isn't, you know, chomping at the bit to, to shell out some ad space? You think, uh, you know, Timex, all these watch companies, Tag Heuer, uh, all these all these clock and, 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 and watch companies, they are going to be fighting each other to get their name plastered on each stadium's pitch clock. And as soon as, as we see one stadium with a sponsor on it, I can guarantee you pitch clocks are not going away. Uh, I believe it was front office sports who had that story today. They said Major League Baseball could make up to about $10 million in ad revenue uh, by selling that ad space. So as soon as a single sponsor goes up, uh, pitch clocks are absolutely here to stay. In Milwaukee, you had Garrett Mitchell with a walk-off home run. Great for him. Great for the Brewers. But the reason why Mitchell said it was so great, uh, I don't know, Garrett, you you may not want to say this into a mic on a TV broadcast, especially knowing that you have to go home to your wife afterwards. This is why he said he played so good that day. And you showed that bun early in the at-bat. What were you just trying to get on and get a rally going, decided a homer would settle it instead? You know, I was thinking about this, but uh, when my wife doesn't show up to the games, usually something good happens, so... At the going into that battle, I was like, man, well, she's not here, so might as well do something fun. Well, last night you had your first career multi-homer game. You said you wanted to wear the Chiefs head again. How do you describe the offense in this series, Garrett, and the power that you got? Oh, Garrett, my man. The the worst part about that cut is that he said, you know, I've been thinking about saying this. It's like, maybe you shouldn't have. Like, and maybe it's an inside joke between him and his wife. Like, hey, babe, the games you don't show up, I play amazing. You know, and he hits the home run. He hits the walk-off home run to give the Brewers a victory. But I don't know, man. You want your support system there, right? You want your wife in attendance. I know if I was playing baseball every day, I'd want my wife there for sure. Like, that would be, that'd be a blast to, to, to have somebody like that in the stands for you. But... And whatever works for the Mitchell family, I, I don't know. That seems like uh, maybe not the smartest thing to say into a mic like that, Garrett. In St. Louis, we've got some beef brewing between Cardinals manager Ollie Marmol and former Mariner Tyler O'Neill. Now, Tyler O'Neill, he was pulled in the middle of a game as Marmol was not satisfied with his base running. Uh, he was not satisfied with how hard or, or I guess, how slow. O'Neal turned the corner at third base in a game. Uh, Marmol publicly criticizing O'Neal right here. We got a lot of guys playing really hard. That's not our style of play as far as the, the effort around in the bag there. Um, it's unacceptable. Yeah. That's pretty clear, right? All right, good. Is it a bottom line is that's not his judgment. That's why we have a coach standing over there. Your efforts uh, 100% until you're told not to. All right. I mean, that's an interesting way to start a season. But, uh, you know, here is what Tyler O'Neill had to say in return about Marmol benching him. 
You know, I'm just going to continue to get my work in, get my reads in, um, make sure I'm getting the right jump off the bat and, and cutting the corners as good as I can. Um, you know, giving it my best effort every time. Um, you know, I came up, I got up through the minor leagues and into the big leagues, playing hard and playing scrappy, and you know that's who I am, that's my character, um, and I don't, I don't ever want anyone to take that away from me. Um, you know, these conversations definitely could have been had in house and, and not gotten out on the loose like they have. Um, should have been handled a little differently, in my opinion, but you know, who's to say? So Tyler O'Neill with a response to Ali Marmol. Let me just say that. Uh, this is not typical of the St. Louis Cardinals to have sort of a back and forth, a back and forth between manager and player. And look, Tyler O'Neill has been a good player in the past for St. Louis. Last year, dealing with uh, you know a couple of injuries, didn't have quite the season that uh, he had back in 2021 when he had what 34 home runs, an OPS of 912. Uh, had an OPS last year of just around 700, hit 228, a very much uh, down season for O'Neill. But look, I think at, at when he's healthy, O'Neill is one of the best left fielders in the National League. Uh, he can be a really good player. I wonder if uh, you know maybe things aren't aren't getting friendly between him and Ollie Marmol going forward. A situation definitely worth monitoring in St. Louis between those two, between that manager and that player and that organization. Only Marmol has gotten into it with a few people. He got into it with, I believe, it was CB Buckner during uh, during spring training this year, where uh, Marmol and Buckner didn't shake hands, and Marmol reached out to Buckner. To shake hands and 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 Marmol had a really big uh, you know blow up about the whole thing. Cooler heads prevailed. They managed to reconcile uh, in a in a later spring training game. So uh, you know maybe Marmol is just a, a fiery guy. Maybe he likes to light a fire under those uh, that he that he doesn't agree with. And then finally here on Pepper, I'm involving my own flesh and blood in this one. My nearly two-year-old daughter, Willa, has taken a shining to the Mariners. We can get her to say, go Mariners. Uh, she's She enjoys watching baseball when it's a day game. Uh, she's not awake for many of the night games. She usually goes to bed after the first couple innings. Um, but one Mariner in particular has uh, really captured her imagination. In fact, we catch her saying this player's nickname to herself every now and then. We caught it uh, a couple days ago. Let's take a listen as to who uh, my daughter, nearly two-year-old Willa, is a big fan of. That's right. The one and only, Cal Raleigh. She loves the guy. Who doesn't love the guy? One of the most fan favorite uh, players here in town going to leave you with that and we will be back with you next thursday night as the mariners that is when their next off day is we got a ton of people to thank for this one for brandon gustison for jordan schusterman for gary hill i'm curtis rogers really appreciate you stopping by on this thursday evening mariners back in action tomorrow night taking on the cleveland guardians you can catch that one right here on seattle sports really appreciate it you are listening to seattle sports and the mariners radio network